Whatever you can turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 12 this morning. So, it's been a very busy week. I know a lot of things have been going on. Um, Father's Day this week, uh, Mother's Day. Mother's Day, you know, I learned this very early when I was a pastor and stuff. In fact, it got so bad after a while that one of the, one of the dads actually made a, made a sacrifice and came up and told me, he said, hey, listen, Brother Tim, you know, on, on Mother's Day, it's a, always a pick-me-up. On Father's Day, it's a beat-down. You know what I'm saying? You know, mothers are great, dads are sorry. You know what I'm saying? So I thought about that, and the next Father's Day that rolled around, um, I wanted to start doing things that put into men the way that we were putting into women. So I know that we live in a day and age in the church where there's a lot of dads who are not involved in church. There's a lot of uh, families where moms take the spiritual responsibility. And, and I'm not here to harp on that today. You may be in that situation, and God bless you. I thank you for all the ladies who have stood up and stood in the gap and filled the void for that. But today, I want to take the dads that are here, and I want to encourage you this morning, all right? I want to be an encouragement to you. Now, look, this passage is kind of, you, you may think it may be a little bit of a reach, because it's from Paul. Paul wasn't a dad. All right? No children. Paul wasn't married. All those things. And so Paul's not a dad, but he's given us scripture here in, in Thessalonians that's an inspiration of what a person should be like. And so as a dad, as a spiritual leader within a household, these are the guidelines that we need to be looking at. So this morning as I take this, this passage and read it to you, don't think of the person that's actually giving you the words. Think of where the words are coming from. The words are coming from the Lord himself to us as men in our household and as fathers to our family. So it says this, For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witness, and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So the first thing he does when he starts off this passage, he, he says, look, we've set an example for you. We set an example for you working night and day. So the first thing that I want you to understand as a father, for us to be a high-definition dad, for us to lead our households the way that God wants us to, we need to have an ethos, a standard by which we live by. The ethos that we live by, the standard that we live by, is given to us by God, not the world. The world gives us a different set of standards of what men should look like than what God says. We're known by titles. We're known by accomplishments. We're known by all kinds of stuff in the looks in the world. It really doesn't matter. Whatever that standard is, whatever you want to look. Do I look like the Old Spice guy on TV? Those commercials, you know? I don't look like those guys riding on horses, do I? You know, we, the world sets this great example of what men should look like and how we should act and how we should respond. And we think that that's the picture that we are to be. We're not. God gives us a different set of standards, a different ethos. That ethos is to be a worker. That ethos is to stand up and do whatever it takes to lead the people that God has given us responsibility for. Now, I don't know about you, but guys in this room, but I, I've had multi, I've, I've been in ministry for 26 years at the end of this month. 
So over half my life, I've been in ministry. And in those opportunities that God has given me, they haven't always been the most, let's say, bountiful for us to be able to take our household and lead it with just that job. So in other words, the ministry job didn't always pay all the bills. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go out and get a second job or I have done something else ministerially, like worked at a Christian learning center or or something like that that's been in a school system and done that in the mornings and gotten up and gone and taught high schoolers classes at six o'clock in the morning so that we could meet our bills and do the things. That's what God calls us to. I'm not a superhero, but I have a responsibility that God has given me for me and my family. And as the Lord led our family when we were younger and our children, Tamara was a stay-home mom as much as possible. She had to work uh, to insurance and different things like that for us, but it was my job to get it done. And so we need to pick up the mantle and be responsible for that. If we're going to father children this day, we need to be responsible for the children that we father. Amen? Amen. If we're going to have the opportunity, we, we look at it in our society, and I'm not even going to go there today, but we talk about abortion all the time and, and losing and taking a life, but we're not responsible for the giving of that or for the start of that or the conception of that. We don't want any responsibility for that. We don't want to try to stop on that end. We just want to take care of it on the other end. See, we want all that freedom without the responsibility. God says you need to have an ethos and a standard by which you live your life. Do you have that standard? And it is it biblical. You need to ask yourself that this morning, men in this room. Do you have that standard, that ethos to live by? And is that standard biblical? Are you trying to live up to the world standards? Because I'm going to tell you this. If you try to live up to the world standards on this, you're going to fail. And you're going to see that as a failure. And you're going to see yourself as a man as a failure. Because we don't look like the Old Spice dude, all right? We don't act like the world tells us to act. We're trying to live out something that we can't hold ourselves up to. And know this, the world is constantly changing that. So the way it looks right now is not the way it's going to look in 10 years. Think about this. Now think about this. Men were raised in the 80s to be real men. You know what I'm saying? And so we were macho. Is it cool to be macho today? No, it's not. If you're a macho man today and have bravado in what you say, you're going to say wrong things to women. When you say wrong things to women or, you know, pick up lines that would have worked in the 80s don't work today. They get you put in jail. Are you following me? So see how the world changes all of that? And we're trying to constantly live up to that. We can't ever keep up. God says live the way that we're supposed to live biblically, and we're always going to be in tune for him. All right? So there's an ethos and a standard that's there for us. It's set by God. It's not set by the world. Paul says, look, I'm living this right before you. Paul was was a minister, but he was also a tent maker. He did whatever it took to be able to earn the living to to help take care of himself. Now look, the churches did contribute and help him in his ministry. But he also worked, and all of those who served with him had to do the same thing. So anybody that came alongside of him, Titus and Timothy, where he gives us all the examples of what a spiritual leader should look like, those guys that went with him and traveled with him, they had to do the same thing. 
And from what I could tell from the personality of Paul, he's a type A. Meaning this, he was hard-nosed and driven by things, and he was going to work to get it done. So can you imagine having ministered all day long with Paul, and then Paul says, hey, let's go to work. we got four tents. we got to get out tonight. Especially the young guys that were traveling with him, they were probably going, hey, man, can we go get something to eat? Can we sit down? Can we rest? No, it's time to actually go earn the money that allows us the freedom to be able to come over here and do what we do during the day. All right? So Paul is setting forth that ethos, that ethos and that standard. Philippians 3, 16 and 17, another uh, letter that he is writing to the people of God, he says this, However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. In other words, when we get there, we have not achieved and we have not checked off the box. To be a high-definition dad is to be on 24-7, 365 as long as you're breathing. It doesn't stop. You don't get to take a vacation from it. There's no hiatus. Men are known for disappearing. We are. We take it till we can take it, and then we can't take it no more, and we go. We leave the situation. We will exit. Encouragement here is that when God calls us to this and to live to this standard, that's a responsibility that he's given. I don't get to say, my children are now all adults, I'm done. I wish I could, you know, but I don't get to say that. Taylor, you're never going to grow up, right? never going to grow up. You got that back in the corner, Gary? You're always on on that, all right? There's no way. You don't get to be finished being a dad. You're never finished. Right, Mr. Nelson? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Mr. Nelson's always a dad. He's just a kid, isn't he, Mr. Nelson? How old is your son? son? Yeah, how old is he? Born in 48. Born in 48. So he is what, 70? 71. Mr. Nelson has a 71-year-old son, all right? Never stop being a dad. Never stop being a dad. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk in accordance to the pattern you have in us. The walk is constant. Remember, he's, gonna, he's talking about this here in Philippians, but when we get to the end down here, he's talking about this. He says this over and over. It's a mantra for Paul. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Walk in a manner worthy. It doesn't say sit in the style in which you want. It says walk in a manner that is worthy. So an ethos, a standard in which is set before us. The next part of the scripture says this. You are witnesses, and so is to God, how devoutly and uprightly and blameless we have behaved towards you believers. Not only is there an ethos and a standard, there's an integrity. So when the standard is set, we are principled to that standard. Has anybody ever studied K. Arthur? Anybody ever done K. Arthur studies? What's K. Arthur studies called? What, what is the title of what she, what she does on that? Precept upon precept, is it not? So in other words, you learn the concept, you don't lose the concept, then you what? Build upon that concept with another precept. So it is one precept upon another precept upon another precept upon another precept. Clay loved Legos when he was a kid. All those pieces go together. When you buy that thing in a box, whatever you buy, all the pieces have meaning. It never worked for me. 
clay would build them, the floor would be empty. I would build them, there were pieces left. I always forgot something. It's a building block upon a building block upon a building block upon a building plot. Nobody's ever done that, right? None of y'all have ever put something together for Christmas only to have parts left over at the end, right? Y'all get that. Y'all y'all are not type A like me. Just get done. Y'all are detailed and you you go back and read all the instructions and you got it all in there, right? Even when your kid didn't want the little bell on the bike, you went and put it on there right, anyway, right? No, not me. I was like, they ain't going to never use that. Plus, that's going to make noise, and I really don't want that. So that piece is getting left on the floor. No. It's precept upon precept. In other words, when we get the standard that God sets for us, we begin to live our life principled or our life of integrity to that standard. It's not a one-time shot, and we say, yeah, I was good this week. I don't ever have to do that again. I was moral for the moment. <laughs> Morality is not something that you can legislate. Morality is not something that is optional. It's a way of life that must be lived at all moments. So you don't get to not cuss on, on Sunday mornings and then cuss all through the week and think we're okay with that. It's not the concept that we're teaching in church that you can go live however you want and go to an individual, a priest, or somebody else and have them absolve you of all of that. We're getting this wrong. You can't come to me and say, Brother Tim, please forgive me. I've sinned. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Are you going to absolve me when I'm done with you? You know, that's not what this is all about. This is once the standard is set that we live a life of integrity to live to that principle. Paul says, look, I worked night and day before you. You saw me. You saw how I lived before you. I didn't ask you to do anything that I was not willing to do myself. Wow. Doesn't that sound like most preachers? They stand up here on Sunday morning and they say, you can't do this, but I'm going to go out and do whatever I want to. That's not, I mean, what pastor, what preacher is going to do that? How is there going to be a life of integrity if you can't live like this, but I can? That's so wrong. Do what I tell you to do. All right? Paul said, follow me as I follow God. That's a totally different concept, is it not? You work for me, I tell you what to do. You are part of this church. I'm the pastor. I tell you what to do. Wrong. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm going to set the example. I'm going to be a high-definition believer. I'm going to be a high-definition father. Preacher's kids, they're the worst. What is that kind of example does that set for the church in leadership? When pre-Ks are the worst kids that are in the room, Right? Oh, that's a preacher's kid. Oh, well, that explains everything. And, you know, and I will tell you this, and, you know, Liz and I were talking about this, and we kind of bantered back in front on the front row for a couple of times. It's harder on our kids. Because at a young age, our kids are held to the standard of their parents. Your dad's a preacher. You can't act like that. You can't say that. You can't do that. And sometimes they're just not allowed to be kids. But we taught our kids that. And our kids, when they came and they said, it's unfair, I said, you know what? It is unfair. 
It is unfair, but I can tell you that because dad is what dad is, we have to do this. You're taking one for the team, and I appreciate it. Here's a lollipop. (laughs) I love you, and so does God. There'll be an extra crown for you in heaven when you get there, all right? Just because you got to live with me. Woo! Integrity. There has to be integrity to who we are. Otherwise, what example are we setting? If we're not setting the proper example, then the world is going to live like it wants to and then look at us and go, well, you're no different than me. You're no different from me. And look, as a sinner, I am no different. But I am set apart by God. And because I'm a follower of Christ, I don't get to do whatever I want to do. So I have to lay down those things. I have to not do them. I'm going to make a statement here. It doesn't say in the Bible, thou shalt not drink. But I don't drink. Never drink. Never finished a whole beer in my life. Ever. Anything. Anything. Why? Because God instilled in me that that's how I should live before other people. It doesn't mean that I can't. Scripture doesn't say that I can't. But it says to set the example, and I will be a stumbling block. Paul says that. So if you see me down at the bar drinking, popping one back and going, he's our Baptist preacher. (laughs) It ain't going to work, is it? It's not going to work at all. So Paul says this. He says, though it's you have the opportunity and you can do this, it's best if you don't. That's my paraphrase. So since it's best that I don't, I don't. So that's how we have to live. You have children. Well, I could act this way, and I used to act this way. But now I got kids. So I don't act that way. That's the integrity. The standard was set. We took on the responsibility of that standard. Once we did that, then we have to live a principled life to that standard. Paul just told us in Philippians, once you've achieved the standard, don't go back. So once we know what the standard is and what is set before us, then we must live that. We're going to be dads. This is what it means to be a dad. So we're principled in that. Paul says, oh, actually, Solomon Proverbs says this. So this is David and Solomon. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. (laughs) Was David perfect? David was not perfect. But you know what? David was repentant. That's what sets us apart. The best words that I learned as a husband is, I'm sorry. That helps me out a lot. Followed quickly by, I screwed up. That one works good. He who walks in his integrity walks securely. But he who perverts his ways will be found out. Anybody knows this. Anybody knows this, right? I'm going to go do this over here, and it's not about who my character or really who I am. Now you got to worry about who saw you, and in today's society, is it on tape somewhere? 
or who's pulled out their phone and was shooting you. That's right. Yeah, who posted it on social media? <laughs> Look at this. This is Pastor Tim. Tweet, you know. Great. So you cannot be that today. There's eyes everywhere. The Lord is watching. So if we're going to walk in our integrity, look, if you're doing the right thing, you don't have to remember. That is great. If you're doing the right thing, you don't have to remember. You don't have to remember your excuse. You don't have to remember your lie. You don't have to remember any of it. Why? Because it doesn't matter anyway. What are they going to hold against me? I was just doing the right thing. I was in the right place at the right time. Not in the wrong place at the wrong time. Where now I've got to figure it out. A life of integrity. The last thing Paul says in this passage up here in First Thessalonians, he says this. As just, just as you know how we were extorting, extorting, <laughs> that's good, exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. The last thing is exhorting and encouraging. So once we have standards, once we have principles, precepts upon precepts about how we should live, the final step in becoming a high-definition dad, believer, follower of Christ, is words and language. Now, words and language are different, okay? Because you can say a lot of words and not be speaking someone's language, right? Go to a foreign country and try to say, I'm looking for the bathroom, not going to get you any help, all right? <laughs> and Now look, sometimes your words to your partner, your spouse, your children, don't mean anything if your body language is bad, all right? Because I've done this a lot. I love you, I really do, but you've made me so bad. Is that displaying love to my children? <laughs> my wife quickly pointed that out to me. You can't be sitting there and go, Honey, you just don't know how much I love you. But I'm really, really mad right now. Body language speaks a lot. So the words have to match the language. The words have to match the language. So our words and our body language about who we are, they speak this. So our lives live it. So we just don't get to go out there and say, I'm a follower of Christ. These are the commandments and the principles that I live by and I honor. And then my words and my language, whether they be verbal or body, don't match that. Really glad to be here, Pastor Tim. Love your sermons. <laughs> yeah, you do. How can I help, Brother Tim? Brother Tim, please let me volunteer for Vacation Bible School. I'd like to serve in whatever manner is humanly possible. Your wife is making you. <laughs> There's no doubt, no way around that. Your wife is forced. She's like right here in the back with a knife, and you're going, my life is going to be a living hell in my home unless you allow me to do this, Pastor Tim. <laughs> that is not coming with encouragement and enthusiasm, is it not? Look, guys, we got to want to do it. 
We got to exhort each other to do it. Did you see the way Brother Al was moving during vacation Bible school? He went through four tubes of of Bengay on Thursday night, didn't you, Brother Al? But Brother Al sucked it up, and he was here. And you know what? He had our students and our teenagers, and he worked it. And so did his wife, who's back there today, in her mission dress to teach our children a lesson. And she will be angry with me if I let y'all out before 12 o'clock because she will not be done. So you got to stay here nine more minutes, whether I'm done or not. Don't go back and get your children. She has come here with a mission and a purpose this morning. She's not going back there going, oh, I got children's church on Father's Day. If Tim goes over, I'm going to kill him. This is what this is. This is the opportunities that we have. Now look, I can tell you, sometimes it's frustrating. I, got, I get frustrated during the week. I got frustrated this past week. I'm going to tell you my frustration. Y'all ready? I'm starting to pull my hair. Because so, when I start to pull my hair, tomorrow knows, should he really say this or should he not say this? I'm going to go on him and be real with you this morning. There's a lot of large churches who don't do vacation Bible school anymore. So guess what all the small churches end up doing? Taking care of their children during the summer. And so on this week, we had a lot of children who are now worshiping in a large church who provides them all the woohoo, whatever, on Sunday morning. But they won't be here on Sunday morning because it doesn't have the woohoo, whatever. But during the summer, when they're looking for a place for their kids to go learn about the Bible, they're sending them where? Here. And so my frustration is really an opportunity. And we got to make the most of our opportunities is what Scripture says. So tomorrow had to smack me around a little bit earlier this week. Because I went home and I was like, half these kids are going to, you know, this church over here or that church over there. They don't have vacation Bible school. Why are they sending them to us? Because we need to pour into them. And we were a mission field this week. And it may have been a mission field for a church that's four miles down the road. And that's okay. Totally okay. Amen? Amen. All right. Thanks for helping me out. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all very much. Look, our job is to encourage, to exhort. To exhort means to build up. To extort means to tear down. Our job is not to extort people, but to exhort them. To build up the body of Christ in whatever way, shape, form, or fashion we have. Ephesians 4.29. This was a mantra. When I was in student ministry, we actually would say this to kids. We'd say it's almost 4.30. This is what we would say to all of our young people when they started getting sassy and mouthy. It's almost 4.30. And that was our little cue to let them know to shut it, to zip it. Because it says this, Let no unwholesome word proceed out from your mouth, but only such word as good for edification, building up, according to the need of the moment, that it will give grace to those who hear. Notice this, words and language. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you're here. It was, it was great to have you today. Those words are hollow, right? They really are. Just give you word 
says I need to touch you. So that's my touch. I've, I've done that. When we're building up, it says right here, what? According to the need of the moment. If somebody needs a hug, give them a hug. Except Elizabeth. She doesn't like people to hug her. All right? That's our pianist, if you don't know. And personal space is real big for her. All right? So know this. If it means give somebody a hug, give somebody a hug. Don't just say, I'm praying for you, brother, and give them a handshake. Pray for them right there with them. Whatever words are needed for the moment, be in the moment. Be in the moment. Don't come to church and be in the room. Come to church ready on Sunday morning to be in the moment. Because you never know what's going to happen with Pastor Tim, right? Never. He walks around a lot. If you go to sleep, he may end up right next to you. You never know what he's going to do. It's crazy. Be in the moment. Be ready for the moment. That's all Paul says right here. Walk in a manner worthy. Set the standards. Be principled and ready to be in the moment when the moment arises. And when it does, you'll have a chance to pour into somebody. Whether it be a child from some other church at BBS or someone you sit next to on Sunday mornings who God's word has pierced. And now you have an opportunity to speak with them, share with them, love on them. That's what sets us apart. That's how we reach the world. That's how we change culture. That's how we impact society with the gospel. Not telling them they're going to die and go to hell. Although that's the reality. Do we feel a sense of urgency about that? People of God would. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the dads, the men that are in this room, who you've given the blessing of life through the, the giving of children. Father, with that blessing comes the responsibility to be a dad. For the rest of their life, they're a dad. Father, help them to be high definition in that. Help them to see that their life is a standard that they set before their family and their children. That it's principled by the principles that you lay out in your word as to character and integrity and how we should live. And Father, that that needs to be expressed. It's expressed through words and through language, body language, and, and how we respond and react to situations and circumstances to which we are put in. Father, help us always to try to do all that we can to glorify you in everything and in every way. We love you and thank you so much for the love that you have for us. These things we pray now in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing. The altar's open if you need to come forward and spend some time with God yourself in prayer. If you need someone to speak with, I'll be over here.